we're back on our podcast, Gray Area, and today I'm with Polly and Elian, and we're super happy to be back for a while. Um, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about privilege and veganism. So, is it a privilege to be a vegan? I find this a really interesting topic. It is quite a sensitive one. I just wanted to disclaim that, first and foremost. We're going to be talking about class, socioeconomic situations, um, possibilities, diets, all those kind of things to discuss is it a privilege to be a vegan? I just want to start off by saying I feel like I am privileged to be a vegan. Um, I'm a student and I have the possibility to go to to Jumbo, to, I don't know, Albert Hein and get myself nice Ben and Jerry's vegan ice cream. Obviously, that doesn't constitute being vegan. And that's another thing that we're going to talk about, that you don't have to buy fancy things to be a vegan. But it, you know, it ameliorates my lifestyle as a vegan to have nice cookie dough ice cream, of course. <laughs> um, so what about you guys? Tell me straight off the bat why you find it is or isn't a privilege for you to be a vegan. And then we'll talk about why it could be overall. I think about it quite the same as you do. Um, I eat like meat replacers and ice creams and like some expensive items quite regularly. But that's all to like satisfy my cravings. And if I think as myself, as a student that tries to be vegan, only living off of like legumes and vegetables and fruits, et cetera, and grains, um, I don't think it would be as enjoyable, satisfying as it is right now to be vegan for me. I don't say that it's not possible, but it's definitely find myself privileged to be a vegan in a way that I am right now. I'm looking at it from like three different angles. When I compare myself to someone who is less privileged, of course I I perceive the possibility of being vegan as a privilege. So when you have a person without home who cannot, you know, cook or get their food for themselves, of course it is a privilege that I can be vegan and that person can't. The different angle is that I believe that because in like 20 years ago when people were becoming vegan, the only option they had was potatoes and rice and vegetables. And I think what helped me with my transition to veganism was that I had access to like vegan replacement products. I don't know how I would make the transition without the possibility. So I think that's privilege that uh, I had and thanks to which I'm now vegan. At the same time, when I'm talking to someone who is in the same position as I am and perceives veganism as a privilege, but we are in the you know same situation, I kind of disagree with that, if you know what I mean. That's a really good point that you make. There are several situations that we can see that see it from, you know, if someone's homeless, you know, then I, if I think about it, like, wow, I'm a, I have a privilege to be able to eat in such a way. I have a choice. I can make that choice. Then there's also people who have, you know, severe health issues, for example. They don't, I know someone personally, for example, has, you know, quite some terrible digestive issues and even tried to be vegan. It didn't work. Like it made it worse, you know? So these people, you know, if I compare myself to that, I'm like, well, you know, you know, I have some stomach issues, but, you know, I can stomach some vegetables. So, you know, I'm really happy that I can eat this way. Um, because of my body and my, you know, the things I'm able to, I can walk one minute and I'm in front of an incredible selection of different foods. If I feel like having a Beyond Burger, you know, not many people can do that. 
for example, the United States, there are things called food deserts. They can't even get fresh vegetables, much less the beyond meat, you know? So, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it puts things into perspective. We asked you guys on Instagram, do you feel like you're privileged to be a vegan? And 51% of you said yes, and 49% said no. So it's a very, very close tie on uh, if you felt you were privileged or not. And I think that's a really interesting result. I, I actually thought it might have been skewed in one direction or the other. And I think it's a testament to uh, how people see their position, like how they compare themselves to others, if that makes sense. Do you guys have an idea of why that might be so split right in the middle? I think it might depend um, that if you hear that argument from meat eaters that, oh my God, it's so expensive to eat vegan food or you're privileged to be vegan. I don't have the privilege while they do. Then you kind of like put yourself in the box that being vegan is not a privilege. And then I think that the other group might consider different scenarios and different situations. I, but there, these are just my assumptions. <laughs> I think also uh, we got a lot of answers. So um, I didn't really think that um, it would go one way or another because if it was only one part that usually, uh, if it's only a couple of people that respond, it's usually within our little community. Um, yeah, a certain group of people, right? But because we got so many answers, um, I find it very interesting that it's, um, not skewed one way or the other um, but I also kind of see that since you can look at it from very different perspectives in multiple different ways as just one person so it's probably just on the verge of how they felt that day like oh maybe and if they have a different conversation with somebody else like I just heard your points and I'm like hmm that's also very very interesting maybe I'd answer now differently right so It'd be also interesting to see after this podcast how many people would still feel privileged or unprivileged in that way. Absolutely. And another dimension that we asked is financial privilege. Like we wanted to focus on that as well because it's often an argument I see with non-vegans like, but it's expensive, you know? So, you know, if you have money for that, good for you kind of thing. And 77% of you guys said that you don't feel like you need to be financially privileged to be vegan. And again, I find that really interesting because I also found myself thinking that way at some point, like, oh, but you just have to eat rice and beans. So like, it's not that expensive. But if you think about it from what Polly said, like having the option to have substitutes or you know special food items can really spark the interest of someone to go vegan. I've seen it so many times, like even with my own circle, like when they see that I can make, you know, a spaghetti bolognese with real you know with real mints it's like whoa I can do that and then it sparks something and just having that option can really change you know how someone perceives this lifestyle this diet if you want to see it that way what are your thoughts on financial privilege and being vegan I think it's very much a real thing uh, for me at least um, if I would only need to survive on legumes or like I said before grains or whatever um, I don't think I'd be as, as satisfied or as happy to talk about it with other people because a lot of the time I introduce veganism to other people by taking them to a restaurant that has really good um, yeah meat replacers or cheese or whatever and 
that's what gets them interested in veganism instead of just giving them a bowl of potatoes and broccoli, for example. I would like to use myself as a case study. When I live alone in, uh, in Amsterdam and as a student, I, I just live on a budget and I know that what I'm cooking is not enjoyable. Of course, I can still eat vegan, it's just not enjoyable. <laughs> Then when I'm now visiting my boyfriend who lives with his dad during uh, this corona crisis, they're doing the groceries and the food they cook is just amazing, delicious. And veganism is way more enjoyable here. So I would say that it helps to have that financial privilege. I'm not saying that it's impossible to be vegan, but it definitely makes your life easier. Yeah, I, I completely understand. I feel like it's great that we're students because we're a great, as you said, it's a great case study. You know, we're usually on the budget. Most of us are on the budget. Most of us, you know, don't have the leg room and it's, yeah. And even then, even then we still have the possibility compared to others, if, you know, put ourselves in a global perspective. We still have more possibilities with that small budget in our minds compared to somebody else. And I think that's the perspective that I'd like to bring to the table that I often tell other people like it's all about perspective um, and this acknowledgement and understanding of this perspective is often shrugged aside you know and you and it's seen as unreasonable sometimes by by activists that I've seen on the internet for example like I've already said you know but you can just eat rice and beans I'm different personally because I'm I'm kind of weird compared to average I love huge salads of like tons of vegetables and I'm not really in my daily life, the only substitute I eat is like tofu. That's it. You know, like I'm really simple. I like simple vegetables. I'm crazy for vegetables. But, you know, other people are not like that. You know, I was raised in a salad house. So, you know, maybe other people are not. And I, I saw that in some of the comments on our um, on our posts, you know, that, you know, people who were raised vegetarian, for example, people who were raised with families who eat lots of vegetables, they had an easier time coming to this lifestyle because that was already the standard if you come from something completely different it's going to be very difficult for you and having that access is yeah it's going to be a big change you know so we also asked you guys how you felt about using that argument you you should just eat rice and beans as part of your advocacy and veganism the percentage was 51% of you guys said that you would use this argument in your advocacy for veganism and 49% of you said no, which again, close tie, and I find that super fascinating. <laughs> that is really just right through the middle that you, yeah, that it, that it turned out to be. How, what do you find, how do you find this effective? Do you find it effective? Personally, I think I don't like using it. I don't like saying that in, in, in a conversation with a person, but I'd like to know your view on that. It kind of also tells us there's no right or wrong way to do it, right? So many people approach veganism from so many different perspectives. So it probably really depends on the person that you are and the person that you're talking to and the yeah finance yeah the finance of the other person or your uh, situation and probably the place you're at as well. Because uh, I think that if I would live in a different uh, area like in the tropics for example I would eat way more fruit and vegetables and salads and everything whilst while I'm living in the cold in Netherlands where it rains almost uh, half the year I don't have that access and then I navigate towards other other things so 
yeah, it's difficult to enter. I, I feel very strongly about this argument and that's mainly because I see the, I wouldn't say hypocrisy, but like inconsistency that on one hand I always hear, oh my God, but you can have everything on a vegan diet, just replace it, just don't eat meat from an animal, have a meat replacement, don't have a yogurt with dairy, but yogurt from oats. And then when you hear the other argument that you can just eat veggies and fruits and legumes and you'll be fine, it just there's such an inconsistent thinking that I just don't like it. At the same time, we got a response from uh, our listener that people use the argument, but not everyone is privileged to eat vegan food as justification for themselves while spending 12 euros on a grass-fed beef. So I understand that people use that argument that it's cheap because diet with animal products, it's also not super cheap, I'd say. I don't remember the prices, but I would assume. That's a really good point. And I actually completely forgot about it because it's such a long time ago that I ate meat. And at that time, I wasn't, I wasn't buying food myself. It was like with my parents. So I don't even know how much it costed. But that's a good point because there are people who eat meat who say, like, I just I have to play devil's advocate here. There are people who eat meat who who buy, you know, sustainable grass-fed beef and it's like, I don't know, $12 for a pound or something. And then they buy, I don't know, 2% dairy milk or sheep's milk or goat, I don't know what kind of milk because it's better than dairy milk. When they could also just buy the, I think it's what, 80 cents for soy milk at Jumbo or something, something, you know, the basic Jumbo brand, the basic supermarket brand is like less than a euro for milk, you know? In Amsterdam. The basic, yeah, in Amsterdam. But the most places I've been in, in Europe, it's, you know, it's not really an argument to me. But then again, in my advocacy for veganism, I wouldn't bring that to the table. I would only say if someone discussed it themselves, like, hey, you know, I kind of find it hard because sometimes I feel like it's more expensive. And then I would say, hey, maybe I can show you or take screenshots or show you what kind of products you can buy. These are kinds of meals that I make that are budget friendly. I wouldn't be like, but you can just eat rice and beans, you know, mm-hmm. like I would try to be, you know, um, accommodating because this person is struggling to find out why it's more expensive. And I have mastered, quote unquote, the way of eating in a budget friendly way. And it's normal that a person who's never eaten this way is like, but whoa, vegetables are expensive and this is expensive. I completely understand it. And I would rather move around it than, you know, just be no, screw you, you can eat beans. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and you know what annoys me about this argument? Is that sometimes it comes from people who don't eat rice and beans, you know? That they go to vegan restaurants, take nice Instagram pictures, and then they say, just eat vegetables and fruits. And I was uh, watching a video by a natural vegan who um, replied to a video by Hannah Fisher, she's a vegan YouTuber, who made a video on how to eat vegan basically everywhere, that it, being vegan is not a privilege, you can be vegan anywhere. And uh, it was funny because a natural vegan said that if she would do a parody on this topic, this is how the video would look like. Um, and she brought really interesting points that, and I didn't realize that because I am privileged, is that vegetables and fruits, they are fresh, they don't have that many calories, so you know you want to eat more of them. And when you have your supermarket like super far away and you don't have the time to go there like twice a week, the vegetables and fruits, they go bad. 
and then you're without food so you have to buy different products that are not fresh you know what i mean that it's also a privilege to eat just vegetables and fruits yeah i completely agree and it's what i mentioned in the beginning in the united states there is the phenomenon of a food mm -hmm. desert you know there are um lower income communities minority communities that have been unfortunately sometimes argued strategically placed far away from supermarkets with fresh vegetables so they have to, and for example, there are more McDonald's in their 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 quarter than there are supermarkets. So, mm -hmm. to to argue to a person from that social position, you know, oh well, just buy, you know, buy cucumbers and tomato, and you know, stop eating McDonald's. Like, come on, you know, this is not realistic, and it's not. Um, how do you say it? it's? I just find it narrow-minded. There's so much more to you know, the globe to the world and, and different social positions and aspects and economic situations than just your own, you know. Is that then coming from a place of privilege to even say that or think that, mm -hmm. probably? Oh yeah, it is. And that's what I mean, you know, I come from a place where, you know, there are a lot of people who, you know, I myself, I'm a person of color, there are people, people I know who couldn't eat, you know, the same things that I eat now for a very long time. So to hear someone use that argument is, you know, it's kind of frustrating. It's like, you must be privileged then to, 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 to even say that, you know, there are also people in my culture, the other part of my culture, I'm half Iranian, you know, they can't, they don't have an autonomy to, to eat the way that they want. They don't, they can't, you know, go against their parents and say, yeah, I will eat tofu and I don't want your uh, stewed beef. You know, that's just not an option. So to be able to tell someone that, you know, but you can just eat this. Well, some people actually can't. So again, I find it narrow-minded and it's not open enough. You know, there's more to the story than what you just know, vegan junk food bar and jumbo. Mm -hmm. Like not everywhere has that. I don't know if you guys agree with me, but. I do, yeah. Yeah, so then uh, the last question we had, if you want, if you guys are interested in our statistics, you know, the gathering of statistics we've, we've done, would you include the topic of privilege while advocating for a vegan lifestyle? 54% of you said no, which again, I find super interesting because 77% said that financial privilege, you know, you don't have to be financially privileged, but then they wouldn't bring up, you know, privilege in a conversation. So I actually think it's very much part, I don't know, I, I wouldn't say that I need to bring up privilege, but it's very much part of the conversation and we don't have to shy away from it. I would talk about how we can reframe the conversation to be inclusive and to understand different perspectives. And I think it's part of it. Like I, I think it's part of advocacy, but we need to reframe it and do it differently. You get what I mean? Yeah, I think why a lot of people leave it out maybe is that when you first begin to talk about veganism with a non-vegan, you want to try to make it as attractive as possible, right? Because as a vegan, you have to lose a lot of things like you, you're, you're restricting yourself, but you're not gaining that much, right? <clears throat> so to also bring the whole privilege then to that person, then oh, maybe you're just privileged to be in your position so you can see it from my perspective or whatever. People are maybe will feel even more attacked than just already by eating meat or dairy or whatever. So I get it. But then on the other hand, if you do want to convince them eventually, this is something they'd need to know. I think that vegans are just scared to to have that idea spread that, that veganism is super expensive and only only like super rich people can eat vegan food. So I think that might be the reason 
for for like 54 percent of people voting against that but i i definitely agree with both of you that it should be part of the conversation maybe in a way that you know i i imagine that the vegan in question is not talking to someone who is underprivileged like hey you should be vegan because of the animals the planet I imagine that you're already talking to a privileged person and you might highlight the fact that you have the the possibility to be vegan, so maybe you should consider that. But I would like to add some input that we got from our followers because we were mostly discussing, or even in the questions we asked about financial privilege, and they said that the privilege is usually more related to education and availability than money itself. And I found it super interesting that they mentioned education. I did not right away like think about it. It's interesting. I think that I would be weary of saying that because I don't want to come across as like someone who knows more than someone else. Like I have more education, so I know better than you, which great that we're having this conversation because it links back to that webinar that we just we just uh, watched with the VSA about um, white savior complex and all those kind of things. Like, I don't want to come across that way. Um, you know, I know better than you and this is the way and you must do it. But in a sense, you know, there is an educational aspect that maybe some people might not, you know, might not have seen, you know, for example, again, you know, in Iranian culture, for example, you have to eat honey when you're sick or you have to, eat yogurt when you have a cold or like dairy yogurt and stuff like that so there's a kind of notion of uh, educational background or way of thinking that is prominent in some people and there's not and then there's you know advanced western science that says that you know dairy is not as good for you and blah 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 and we follow at least i follow that the reason why i'm vegan and stay vegan is for reasons like that you know and the animals of course that's the baseline <laughs> but you know so it's hard to use the education argument because everyone has a different idea of what they should be eating and what's best for them. And I'm scared of using the argument, I think, because I don't want to come across as knowing more than someone else. I don't know. Do you guys But I way? think what they meant is the access to education, like to the information and maybe even the ability to understand the information, you know, that it's a privilege to be in the position to have access and the ability to understand it. Yeah, I was raised in a way that I've always been taught to think for myself and look at uh, articles and find on other ones to my to maybe like serve that one or uh, to serve another point. So I'd always look for myself and then eventually I found so much information that I couldn't st stay away from veganism anymore. But that's really come from my upbringing. Whilst I can also see that if people had a different upbringing, that their parents just told them, this is how the world works and don't look any further. That's very different to coming to veganism then. Because maybe if you see an article, you're just like, oh no, that's not how I think or been taught to think. So I'm just going to brush it aside. I don't know. Maybe that's also something that has to do with it. It's super cool that you mention it because being raised in certain families is also like it either supports you in your veganism or not. And that is also a privilege or not. One of our listeners from VSA Leiden said i feel privileged in, a, in the way that i was raised vegetarian and that my parents were willing to become vegan as well i know the situation isn't easy for most of us i'm very happy i'm not in the situation which i was introduced to veganism and that i was formed in such a way that i was open enough to change my ways 
very interesting to talk about like family and your and the background where you come from yeah yeah i completely agree like i said before like your background says a lot about how you think about the world and how easy it is or not easy it is for you to change your lifestyle and many children for example still live with their parents you know that's that's mainly where the family aspect comes in like for example 15 year old you know here's our podcast yeah, I don't know if 15 year olds listen to us but the 50 year old hears oh I want to I want to go vegan mom and they're like uh no because you need meat to have strong bones or something you know that's where it comes in it plays a huge role I myself had that I mean not that exact conversation but you know there's often a fear from parents like, oh, but you know, you're not going to grow strong enough. You won't have strong bones, whatever you need to eat meat. So this really plays a role. Your upbringing changes so much, I think. Um, and that's why when we talk to people that we be sensitive to those things, consider those things um, and work our way around them rather than be, you know, I've, I've even heard people on the internet saying like, but who cares what your parents think? Stuff like that, you know, like those things are just ignorant. I, I don't mm -hmm. think that these are nice, considerate arguments. They're incredibly narrow-minded. I don't think we're doing our job as open-minded, compassionate vegans by speaking that way. And, you know, I'm glad that we have such comments, you know, admitting to how, you know, quote-unquote lucky they are for, you know, having, being brought up in, in such a family. And the vegetarian thing really helps because I feel like many kids that I know who were raised vegetarian, it was quite simple for them to go even further than being vegetarian that's quite nice actually um and we have some more comments that we can we can discuss someone said something that has been on my mind is the cultural aspect of veganism on the one hand i would want people to be vegan but i also think that cultural heritage is important in a way i guess maybe lab meat will be the solution for that for people who want to continue eating meals important to the culture that's interesting again something i didn't even think about Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if you guys thought about the heritage and cultural um, argument per se, but I, I think that I would say it's a bit away from privilege still, like it's more, to, it's out of the scope of privilege, but it's still a conversation to be had when you're out advocating for the vegan lifestyle, right? The thing is that I totally understand what the person means and I kind of agree, like, I miss the the Slovak national food sometimes because I cannot s replace certain things, and I can imagine when when part of your culture is like food that is so focused on meat or other animal products that it can be difficult, and that's why I'm so happy that we have meat replacements and that lab meat it's it's on its way. But at the same time, if another form of exploitation would be part of someone's culture, I I think we would have a different look at it you know like uh if someone's part like part of someone's culture is exploitation of women or you know i think we would perceive it differently that's a really good point and you know we always come back to that point you know like but if it was uh, if it was the human example you know a non-food related example we would treat it much differently and i think that's the kind of logic that always comes back to me but if this was you know yeah, about the exploitation of women in someone's culture, we wouldn't be so lenient with this. Mm -hmm. um, and again, like, I obviously, I can't, I don't know every single person's food culture in the world, but personally, like, I've found that, you know, some, you know, cultural foods from my culture, I've been able to, is it perfectly exactly the same? No, you know, it's never going to taste exactly the same. But I, 
find some comfort in trying my best to, you know, eat the food that I was raised with. And it's really nice to, to feel that way, um, you know, to, to connect through food and working on it with your family and stuff is also a great way to bring people together and yeah, overcome that. So I just want to add one thing. If any one of you guys has any, you know, if you're struggling with recreating a cultural recipe or you just want to talk about which recipes you're trying to recreate, we'd love to hear it. Where you guys are from, what food you're trying to make, or which food have you not tried to make? What are you not satisfied with as a vegan version? Just let us know because I'm I'm genuinely interested. I love recreating recipes and just learning about other people's culture and how they can integrate veganism into that. So just drop us a DM as you wish. And yeah, I'd love to check out what you guys have to say about it. So we have two more questions. Polly, let us know what questions our listeners had for us. Uh, one wasn't really a question. They brought up another form of privilege. They said, you need a mental privilege only to find out, especially in the beginning, what to eat. And I think that mental privilege is not talked about enough because I think that you have to have some kind of space in your mind to think about veganism, the climate change or the, the treatment of animals to actually go vegan and to, you know, so I think it's, thank you to the listener who brought it up. It's super important to talk about it. I don't, I, I really, when about talking about veganism, I almost never bring it up, but it is something I've thought about before. Because I can imagine that if you have so many other things going on in your life, like if you're struggling financially or if there, if your place of home isn't safe or the people around you or whatever is going on, I can really imagine that you've already got enough to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say necessarily that that's your excuse to not go vegan, but I understand that you don't even think about it or about the world or the bigger, bigger issues because you can think of it like this um so probably for all of us we had enough space and and nice enough like background or bottom like basis for us to have an open mind and think about these certain topics so i get it but not even that but i think that once you are already vegan and used to like you know what to buy you know what to cook you know what to eat it's like when something terrible happens in your life it's totally normal to to be vegan but like if terrible things are happening right now you don't consider going vegan and making such a drastic change when so many things around you are hectic so yeah i i completely understand that and i'd like to also link that to mental health like there's so many people who are struggling on a daily basis because of depression or you know severe anxiety or all kinds of things and and just being able to i mean it's gonna get a bit dark but like just being able to to make yourself something to eat can be you know a win for a person so having to think about uh is it plastic free is it dairy free is it uh, meat free is it this free before making a meal like i completely understand you know the person who is struggling with that and doesn't have the space in their mind to to to, to think about those things i completely i completely get it and I've seen way too many times on the internet when people say, you know, I'm back to the internet. There's terrible people there, just so you guys know. <laughs> There's people on the internet who are just like, oh, but she has an, uh, an eating disorder. She should be vegan. It's going to solve all her problems. Some people who have eating disorders can't, you know, I want them to be able to eat first. Like, screw veganism. I'm a vegan and I say screw veganism. I want her to eat first. Thank you very much. So, like, keep your stuff to yourself. That was the nicest way I could say it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so mental privilege, 
that's a really great point. Uh, thank you for whoever brought that up. But I would like to emphasize because I can imagine that there's some vegans listening to this podcast and are kind of frustrated with us talking about this, that I think in many cases, when you're talking to someone who, I don't know, your roommate, your friends, and they bring up several excuses, it's not what we're talking about right now. Like we're talking about like being more inclusive, understanding different situations, different people, different, you know, all all the information that comes with the with another person. But like, it's very likely that your roommate who eats, like Nadia mentioned, grass-fed beef for 12 euros uh, in the evening and, you know, it's privilege, has normal, relatively normal life, then they are just using excuses. Like we know that many cases are like that. We just want to highlight the other part of the discussion. I just want to emphasize that too. I second that because I'm the first person who gets super annoyed when I know someone has every single possibility to do something to change their lifestyle, but they're just willfully ignorant to it because it's easier. And I am with you as vegans. Like that's not what we're talking about here. Like I'm the first person to be like, <laughs> no, please don't, please don't start with me. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about understanding and being inclusive and understanding different angles and perspectives when talking to someone about going vegan. Yes, 100% agree. <laughs> so I found this conversation super interesting and I think we should talk about it more actually. I don't really hear this conversation much in the broader community. If you guys know where people are having those conversations, please let me know. But I'm glad we talked about this because I felt like it's once again shows you guys that you know, being vegan and supporting other vegans or bringing people to being vegan or showing them how it works, etc., is also a process of being compassionate and understanding and seeing different perspectives. And that's our motto here, as always, be kind and compassionate. And if you guys always want to DM us, let us know what you guys thought about this. Drop us a DM letting us know what cultural foods you, you guys are struggling with. Anything, anything, we're happy to hear it. We love listening to you guys. And yeah, We'll see you on the next episode. Peace out. <laughs>